Hi, this is Gina Casella from Port St. John, Florida, and you're listening to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Okay. Well, do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. <laughs> Negative. On your Wednesday Hump Day Live Fire Barbecue and Grilling Show. If you have always wanted to jump in on the show, but Tuesday has never been your day, but Hump Day is, here's how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQ Central Show.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now. It is the first Tuesday of a month, if you can believe it. We're already in May, and helping me break May open in grand style, none other than the pitmaster of Killer Hogs and the co-creator of How to Barbecue Right, Malcolm Reed, joins us once more. The fifth time already here in 2023, which we certainly appreciate. And there will be some extensive talk about the Memphis and May competition that's coming up amongst some other things, so always looking forward to talking with Malcolm. 35 past the hour, we had slated Rob Reinhardt from Prairie Barbecue up there in Canada. However, that didn't work out. Get that big stuff out of here. To backfill Rob, we have the ever-popular, long-overdue, don't-have-enough-during-the-course-of-the-year type of segments, the world-famous open segment where I have a number of housekeeping items to get through, a number of updates to give you as it relates to the show, the podcast feed, the new, new Barbecue Central Show website, and a new barbecue series that you may or may not be familiar with. It was promoted a couple weeks ago. I might have mentioned it on the show after I had seen it a day or two beforehand, whenever that most recent show was that I might have mentioned it. But something you're going to want to take note of and follow if you were a fan of Sam's Club at any point during that lifespan, this is something you'll definitely want to keep an eye on. So we'll talk about that 35 past the first hour as well. And that'll bring the first hour to a close, and then we'll move to the second hour where we will find the second hour, first Tuesday of the month, regular guest Sam the Cooking Guy. Quickly approaching 4 million subscribers 
And we have plenty to talk about. Last month, Sam did the interview, and then the next day found a plane to take him to South Korea, where they did a week or so of shooting. Last month was the kickoff of Smash Month on Sam's YouTube channel, where they did a whole bunch of Smash Burger, Smash Everything, anything that they cooked those 12 episodes or whatever they were, three times a week times four is 12, unless there was an extra week in April that I'm not aware of, but I don't think there was. So at least 12 smash recipes. I watched each and every one of them. A lot of good ideas that I am taking away and going to try at home. However, there was one thing that I found particularly interesting about all of smash month. And if we have enough time to get to me bringing it up, which I know Sam is not going to want me to do because he probably doesn't even realize he did it, but I do because I keep tabs on things like this. There was one specific thing that didn't happen in Smash Month that could have happened every time in Smash Month. I will let you figure it out from there as I tease you the only way I know how to do. And then 35 past the second hour, there's a really good chance Sam might extend out. So we'll remain or we'll fill the backside of that segment with whatever I didn't get to in the 35 past the hour segment as well. By the way there's a good chance that Malcolm could fill more than the normal segment as well. So if things are going well, certainly no restrictions on Malcolm or Sam here this evening. Plus your emails as well. Don't send them to Greg at the BBQ central show.com because I will not get them. That's a whole situation that we're working on. However, hopefully in the next week or two, we'll have that rectified instead, send them to Greg ramp. I mean, I have 75 different emails, but half of them are not working right now. How about this one? Greg Rampey, 1974. My first and last name and birth year, 191974 at gmail.com. Greg Rampey, 1974 at gmail.com. If you want to send an email, if you want to ask a question, there is a chance that we might be giving away some uh, rubs here this evening. Did you know Dr. Barbecue has four new rubs out? I'll be giving a pair away here this evening. Or one to one person and the second one to another lucky winner. We'll see how it goes. But don't email me in the normal show email until I tell you it's okay. Instead, use the ever-confusing Greg Rempy 1974 which is what I give to anybody I feel might be spamming me. And then I usually just send all that stuff into the spam folder from Gmail. But I will look at it tonight as it is show night. So that's how it's laying out here this evening. Malcolm Reed in the first hour, Sam the Cooking Guy in the second hour. Don't forget you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat at BBQ Central Show. We also say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of our video streaming platform partners. You can go to Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. You can also watch via YouTube slash RD Rempe. And we are streaming audibly on Clubhouse as well. And now we have a new YouTube poll question of the week. And it's a hot one right now. Battery-powered cookers will be the next big thing in live fire, yes or no? And currently, 90% of you are saying no! I believe Derek Riches is also in agreement with that. I will save my answer until a little bit later in the show. Maybe it's something that I will mention during one of the open portions of the show here, but right now... 90% of you are saying no. 
battery-powered cookers are not going to be a thing in the live fire industry. So let's start here this evening. Many of you emailed and messaged me with great concern for our new pal, Brad Robinson from Chud's Barbecue, about his decision to not go after people that rip off his builds. Now, he did mention that he has some patents. However, when I did follow up with him on if he would put any teeth behind those if pressed, he said yes. Then he quickly said, well, probably not. And a lot of you are reacting to that in a concerned manner, which I certainly understand. So let me help all of you concerned citizens out. Since you evidently aren't reaching out to Brad directly and you're running it back to me instead, business is tricky. Number one, business in the live fire industry is especially tricky when it comes to intellectual property and patents and trademarks and all this other stuff. How should one go about deciding to protect gang would you believe right now this very instant there's a company that is living this life they claim to have created a technology in this industry which everybody knows they did however they got the patents awarded to them and now they are actively trying to put another company out of business and rumor has it what they really want by the way rule number one of the show no names please But what they really want is a royalty from this company that they're suing. And if that ever happens, watch out for everybody else because they will most likely be coming for everyone else to get their protection money from as well. But I digress. In Brad's case, it's a bit tricky because he mentioned last week he has some videos about how to build a chud box. So it would be hard to go back at someone for stealing your IP if you're out there telling everybody how to do it. Now... Maybe what he has patents for isn't anything to do with the chud box. Maybe it's something else completely. That's a different story. But I don't think there is any manufacturer out there right now that would go to Brad and look to do the right thing by him. I think the bigger companies would do a straight ripoff and hope not to get caught or hope that Brad wouldn't put any teeth on his IP and they will just continue to rip him off. Certainly, it would be nice to think that a company would call Brad and say, hey, we love the design. Can we license it from you? Or, as I had mentioned last week, can we just buy the whole thing from you? We can feel we can scale it out more easily to the masses. We think it's going to be the next live fire revolution. We want to take your great idea to the masses. That would be ideal, but it's rarely the case because the bigger guys with the deeper pockets don't have any reason to care about doing it right. At least not until they get caught and when someone takes them to task on it. So we wish Brad success and to ease the concern that you had over his sayings of last week. I say this, if Brad isn't concerned, then I'm not going to be concerned. It's his business, not anyone else. But we continue to wish him success. All right, Malcolm Reed is ready to rock and roll in the green room. We'll get to him here in just one second. I will talk to you about Pits and Spits, the best-looking, best-cooking smokers and grills on the planet. Pits and Spits offers a full family of products, including traditional offset smokers, wood pellet grills, charcoal grills, travel grills, combination pits, fire pits, and much more. Pits and Spits has been one of the only American fabrication shops that's focused on smokers and grills for almost 40 years. Why is this important? 
because they're able to put an emphasis on quality and design. They can locally source materials and put unmatched attention and detail into every cooker. From the fully welded barrels to the heavy gauge steel, they bring both function and beauty to life. Pits and Spits builds every product with the intention that it's going to get passed down from generation to generation. Doesn't matter if you're a competition cook or if you're just a backyard hack like me, it helps the barbecue and grilling game get raised to the next level. There is a product for you in the portfolio offering. Check them out at pitsandspits.com slash bbqcentral. That's pitsandspits.com slash bbqcentral. That's pits and spits with a double T and a double T on the pits and the spits. Use promo code bbqcentral at checkout for a free spice pack with your order of $500 or more. That's whether you're accumulating accessories or if you just buy one of the cookers that they offer, that's definitely going to be more than 500 bucks. So order and then use promo code BBQCentral at checkout for that free spice pack. We are back with Malcolm Reed from Killer Hogs and How to Barbecue Right. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also peruse their website for some other products that might help a little smoky goodness be lent to whatever it is you're cooking on those pellet-driven cookers. That's cookinpellets.com. Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue is writing in, please send all nude photos to gregrempy1974 at gmail.com. Don't do that. Joe, nobody wants to see any of that, ever. Especially me. In my secret spam email. Hey, it is the first Tuesday of May, and that means we are visited once again by our pal Malcolm Reed. Malcolm, YouTube poll question of the week <laughs> is, will battery-powered cookers be a thing in live fire this year? Yes or no? I'm going to say no. I'm going to go with the majority on All that right. one, Greg. Jordan, the majority... By the way, the majority is uh, just trending down a little bit. It was 90 in the open. However, as we lead in with you here, by the way, it says Brad Robinson there, and obviously I didn't go in and fix that, but I'll get that here in a second while we're talking. Uh, 86% are saying, no, it will not be a thing here during the 2023 season. Do you think it has any legs whatsoever, or is that just something that's not really going to happen? Um, you know, I can see it in some situations where people want to get off the grid and want that battery back up for running pellet grills, things like that. And, I mean, we have, you know, you got to think about it. Some of these grills that have igniters on them, even in the propane world or the flat top world, have bat- little regular AA batteries in there for the igniter. So there's a place for some battery action, but I don't think you're ever going to really, you know, 
take over that live fire and smoke. You, you don't know, see so. a full size right. battery powered grill in the backyard as something people might go after <laughs> on the regular. Yeah, not not just yet. I think we're a ways away from that. Malcolm Reed joins us here on the show as he does the first Tuesday of every month. So before we get into the live fire stuff, Malcolm, I have a bone to pick. It's not with you, but it's with your TikTok Tyler fellow who <laughs> specifically said on the most recent How to Barbecue Right podcast that, and this is not a sports show, but we're going to turn it into a sports show here for just a second. He said that LeBron James is the biggest crybaby in the league. But I wonder if Tyler doesn't watch every other NBA player in the league because it is a league full of criers and I never did that doers. And the Knicks are the worst, the worst at it. And meanwhile, that dope Dylan Brooks decided to run his mouth at LeBron. LeBron obviously takes them out and I know Memphis is your team. I mean, so badly that from the time I had just put this in the outline till now, the Grizzlies have run Derek Brooks or uh, Dylan Brooks out of town. He's an unrestricted free agent. They told him they will not sign him under any circumstance. I think that might be a little aggressive, but geez, Luis, uh, when we get back to the crying in the league, uh, does, take, does Tyler not look at the rest of the league as criers and it's just LeBron? You know, I think that was just because that we were keyed in on that Lakers series and really wanting the Grizzlies to do good. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you know, it to me it feels like we're watching soccer in a way. You know, you see all those guys take the falls oh. and the complaints and try to get the cards pulled. We're seeing that in the NBA, man. And that's just not so. you know, I, I like the old school NBA where those guys, it was grit and grind. And, you know, that that was that's basketball to me, so. The, the most fascinating basketball argument that I am willing to entertain, a lot of stuff I won't entertain, like who's the best player, things like this. But it's when we were growing up, we're of the same age here. So uh, I'm talking about mid-80s to obviously through the 90s. That was smash mouth basketball. That was AFC Central type basketball where there was physicality. You knew if you were driving the lane, you were going to end up on your ass. People were going to foul hard. And if you took a lot of those players, especially like Michael Jordan, I think if you transition Michael Jordan into the league now, he would dominate just because there isn't nearly the physicality that's allowed in basketball as there was back then. However, I will make the converse argument that if you transition LeBron James back into the smash mouth, he's built to take it. I don't think it would really affect his game at all, but Michael could potentially be even more dominant if he was in his prime now than back then. Yeah, you know, a lot of that I think is LeBron is a big guy. You know, he's yeah. got the physique for it. And so when he's crying to the refs, it stands out more than, say, Steph Curry or somebody little that's kind of got a point, you know, or jaw taking it, you know, taking it to the rack every single time and getting knocked down. Those guys may have a point. But I mean, going back to your point about those early teams, you look at the old Celtics teams and the old Detroit mm. teams, those were hard smash mouth basketball. And those were guys that fought on the court. Not a lot of pushing oh, yeah. and dancing. We're talking fisticuffs. It was rough. It was those were the, those were the you know golden years of basketball right there. That's when men played basketball. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Not these finesse players out there. Uh, Malcolm, we have Memphis in May coming up. We hyped it up just a little bit last month, but now we are really in the teeth of it. And 
you can confirm this rumor for me. I've heard it through a couple various sources. Are you guys doing whole hog this year? We are. We're 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 gonna swing out there and uh you know try try our luck with the hog this year. How do you practice? It's been a minute since we cooked the hog. Ribs you can practice all day long. Very easy access. Same thing with shoulders. I would imagine that practicing a hog becomes very expensive, very quick. I'm not saying that you and the team don't know how to do hog. Obviously, it's a forte of yours, uh, especially. But I mean, if you want to get some practice in, there's only one way to practice a whole hog, and that's by cooking whole hog. So are you doing a number that's, of those think, or or what? Well, I think we're up to uh, this weekend will be number 14. Are you kidding? For, since the first of the year. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you got you know, you got to get it down. That's a lot of practice. You do the weight on that. Those hogs average 150 pounds. We're cooking. You know, they're they're yielding out. Probably by the time we get through trimming them, getting them comp trimmed and everything, we might get about 70, 75 pounds of meat after the fact. But that's a, that's a lot of pork. What are you doing with all the meat? Um, we do different things. We donate some of it. We give it to friends. You know, we give it to family. Sometimes we're doing it for events. Uh, several of those are contests. The guys are out cooking. Um, you know, it's whatever, whatever we can do with it, put it in the freezer. <laughs> I've got more than I need at my house. So I'm in the giveaway mode. Where are you at in the dialed in for the event? I mean, we're only a short time away now. I would imagine you got to be pretty close. Yeah, we've got two weeks and we've kind of got the flavor, the flavor profile down that we're going for. We think we've got our times and temps down. So now it's just about executing. And hoping we get lucky because, you know, Memphis and May, I go in every year and I tell you, Greg, I've been on here. This is our year. We're going to win it all. I'm telling you that this year, you got to have that attitude, but it takes a lot of luck in what we're doing too. I mean, there's so many good teams down that compete in Memphis and May and they've narrowed it down this year, cut the field down as everybody's heard. Um, so it's either going to be tighter competitions by the ones that are in there. It's a bunch of good teams. So we're going to be going head to head with guys that that are just, you know, world champs. So it's 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 a it's a tough contest to cook. Do you have more practice cooks in the hopper here yet, or are you done practicing and now you're just gearing towards the cook? Uh we got one more this weekend. Hmm. The guys are going out. So we kind of tag teamed up with the uh, I mean, I know you've probably heard of Mark's been on here. He steps in for me when I can't make it sometimes from yep. Swine Life. He's one of my employees and him and his brother Jamie have been out in the NBN circuit cooking hogs and doing really well. And so we, we'll cook them here at the shop. We'll cook them. You know, they're out cooking in contests, putting in front of some judges. They've been up, uh, you know, with our pit builder uh, up in Indiana, uh, Mr. Jay Craig from Outlaw Pits. That's the pit we're cooking on this year. So uh, they've been up cooking some hogs with him throughout the winter. And it's it's been, you know, it's been a lot of a lot of practice and a lot of learning the pits because it's, it's different. The one we're cooking on is actually a stick burner. But it's got a, a firebox on the bottom underneath the hog too, so we're kind of emulating um, old fashioned old fashioned brick pit hogs, where you see the guys shovel the coals and they can move them around under the shoulders and the hams, and you know speed the hams up or slow the loins down by the, the placement of the coals. We're doing that with this pit at the same time, running it like a stick burner, so it's getting heat over the top as well. So it's a it's a really old fashioned taste, the flavor of it. It's it's really good. I've often thought that if the hog is cooked well, it will always beat the perfectly cooked rib or the perfectly cooked shoulder because of the skill it takes to cook everything in the animal to perfection. Otherwise, it seems like a big risk to undertake. Your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I've always, you know, coming from the rib category the past few years, that's been one of my speaking points to where these guys are cooking hogs. They got a lot of meat to pick from. They can find something on there perfect to put in a blind box. They can feed you as a judge. They can feed you from that. You know, they've got a lot of choices to bring out to you. I've got 10, 11 bones here. I've got to make these as good as that whole animal they're cooking. So um, I think that being in hog this year, I've got a lot of places to go get good stuff. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a challenge. But, um, you know, I, th- I think uh, cooking hogs, when people ask me, it is my favorite thing to cook, the hog, because it's always a team effort. You know, you get a group of guys around. You sit there and you babysit that thing and you feed a lot of people with it when it's done. And it's just, it's the epitome of being a pit master, being able to cook a whole hog and get the ham, get the shoulder, get the loin, get all that perfectly right at the same time. Do you have any idea how many other teams are cooking hog this year? I, you know, I haven't counted them, but I, I would imagine it's in the neighborhood of 35, 30, 35, maybe something like that. And there were a hundred, how many teams were there this year? I think there's 140 this year total. Yeah, something like that. Hmm. No, I didn't. I, I've seen the list, but I, I didn't look at the numbers. I didn't actually go through there and count the list. Last week during the embedded correspondence segment, I asked the gentlemen for their thoughts on if they thought, look, we're just nonsense talkers on this show, of course. So, you know, this is just our, this is what we do. However, I said, hey, what do you think? on that there might be a fix-in of sorts to ensure that Blues Hog doesn't win back-to-back overall grand championships again. All three of the guys thought that this would be the case, that they wouldn't see the overall grand championship. Do you have any thought on that? I don't know, man. I I don't think – it's just almost impossible to fix Memphis and May. Because there's so many teams, and they, you know, you've got the blind element, and you've got the onside element. You've got to nail all aspects of it. You've got to get lucky enough to win that blind table. That's the big thing. Mm. So when it comes down to it, I mean, if you can build a, if you can, if you can cook a good hog or cook a good shoulder, cook a good rib, and you can get on a good table and you can beat everybody on that table because you have to be the clear winner of the table to move forward, and then you have to be able to sell it too. So. Is it possible? Yeah, man. There's been guys that do, you know, look, look at uh, uh, Myron, you know, look at Melissa, look at uh, a lot of the guys, yep, you know, Chris Lilly. Chris Lilly. I mean, these guys, these guys have done it multiple times and some of them back to back. So I think it's, I don't think, I don't think there's a fix to keep them out because those guys can flat cook. I mean, you, you look at, you well, look I think at that's Tim what the idea Brad, was that they were going to, they were going to fix because. They felt it was like they didn't deserve to get in there and win it the way they did it and their KCBS guys, and it was kind of a coup, and they want to reclaim it, make sure that some of the old guard is going to uh, win it, win the title back from them, if you will. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I hadn't really heard that kind of talk, <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't know. Maybe they fix it to where I can't win it. I feel like that sometimes. That's what it is. <laughs> Bastards. We finally figured it out. I wasn't going to flesh it out, Malcolm, but I'm glad you brought Fixed. it up because now I'm going to run it up the hill and see how far it goes. Yeah. Although whenever I email the Memphis May International Festival, they never reply back to me, which is odd, but nevertheless. <laughs> so you are going to do whole hog. Let's say you get through the, the blind portion. Now you're going to do uh, the on-site in essence, you got to cook 
two different hogs, right? You're going to be cooking in one for the blind, and then you have to have another one ready for the on-site. We are, and that's wow. what's you know that's what's going to make this a challenge. That's one thing that we haven't practiced yet is cooking two at the same time because we're not. I mean, we are going to stagger them because the finals round doesn't happen till you know hour and a half, two hours after the first round. So we don't we don't want to hold that hog that long. And so we're just going to delay putting it on a little bit. So we'll be, you know, a little bit behind in our process, but we need one side of a hog to make a blind box. And that gives us another side to do three on-site judges the first round. And it gives us a whole hog to pick from in finals. Mm. It hasn't been touched. It hasn't been, you know, nothing's been pulled off of it. We've got all that great meat there and we're just going to have to get the best we can off one for the blind and for the first preliminary round. When you're turning in the blind box, do you have to go and take from the hams and from the shoulder and ribs and like everything that you would typically know off of? There's there's a so standard. In the box, in the Memphis and May contest, you're judged on shoulder, the loin, and the ham, and that's it. That's all oh. you can have in the box. And you have to have them kind of separated to where you can tell which is which you know you can't just put all shoulder and some loin you've got to have all three of those in there is there any consternation that the hog that you're using to do blind is going to be better than the show hog how do you how do you make sure you're I, as consistent I, as possible i hope the we you know <laughs> we're <laughs> they're going to be cooked at different times so the the, the finals hog won't be ready, so I don't think that's going to be a choice. We we know that it's going to, you know, be a little behind. If some reason why it got if 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 they happen to get done around the same time, which they probably won't, we would then go to you know try to test them and see what they're feeling like. It would be a field thing, but we're going to put the best one we have in the blind box. I don't care which side of the hog it is or which hog it comes from. Whichever one we think is the best mm. is going in the blind because that's what gets you there. I mean, I can talk about a hog all day long and get in with some subpar meat just by selling it. That's a big part of, of the Memphis and May thing. you got to put on a little show for them and tell them how you did it and why you did it, and you can influence them a little bit by the way you talk to a judge. But that blind has got to speak for itself, so it's got to be the absolute best meat that you have. Are you cooking it uh, butterflied or splayed, or do you do a running style thing? Like I know the shed uses a, a robo hawk or whatever the hell they cook it. How do you do yeah. yours? So we're doing ours the old-fashioned way, where it's just laying on its back, skin down. Um, we're not. We don't have to flip it in this pit, even because we have the heat from the top, so we can get the top done and create a bark on it. But we can also get the skin crispy on bottom, where the skin's absolutely edible and it's delicious. And we do that by putting the coals underneath it and moving them around to the areas we need them to go. So uh, it'll be it'll be laying on his back the whole time, kind of splayed open. Malcolm, we wish you good luck to the Memphis in May, of course. We know it's pared down a little bit, but perhaps that makes the competition even a little tighter considering the names that are going to be there. A lot of those folks have won their particular segments a number of times, and then a lot of those folks have won it in the overall sense as well. So uh, we'll see. Outside of you being the favorite, who are you pointing to as uh, potentially (laughs) coming up and grabbing a victory out of your hands? Oh, man. You know, I, always, I say every year that it's got to be a rib year because ribs haven't won Memphis in May in probably over 20 years. So eventually you got to think they got to come up and they got to beat the hogs or they got to beat the shoulders. 
So uh, my buddy Heath Riles had a great year in one ribs last year. I'm looking for him to do, you know, really well this year too in ribs. Um, shoulders, you can never count out Mark Lambert. His team, they slide in. It seems like every other year they're in there for the hunt. They were in there last year. I think yep. he won shoulders last year. So, you know, he's right there. So he's got to be a favorite. You know, Chris Lilly will be back. I don't think Myron's going to be there. So, yeah. so that's um, the second person so I've he heard about that. Of, What's going on with that? I heard, I heard that he had a scheduling conflict to where he's doing a lot of these uh, classes down in, in, at his home in Georgia. And they scheduled one that weekend without him knowing, so he's missing Memphis and May. Now, I don't know if that's true. Wow. That's what I heard. So, but I heard he was kind of upset that he's missing it. So I'm sure, and I'm sure he is, man. You got to look how many times he's won Memphis and May, and he's been there as long as I, you know, longer than I have cooking Memphis and May. So, well, um, I'm look, sure he does miss it. If but. if nothing else, we all know what a competitor Myron Mixon is. But Chris Lilly and Myron Mixon have won overall Grand Championships. They're tied at five. So I have to imagine yeah. that both of them are bleeding through their very eyes to try and grab that six <laughs> so they're not in that stalemate like they had been uh, for the last number of years. So uh, I'm I'm shocked that uh, a scheduling conflict might potentially be the issue here. But I guess that also speaks to the fact that Myron is not going to skirt responsibilities or if people paid money to, to do a clash regardless of yeah. if it's on the highest and holiest competition day for a lot of the competition cooks he's gonna say hey you know we'll, we'll maybe we'll do it again next year and i can't imagine he would want the team to win if he's not gonna be there though right i mean that <laughs> that's got to be a real yeah. uh conflicted experience for him oh yeah i mean he probably wants a rib team to win if he's not gonna be there you know <laughs> he probably wants it out of the hog category yeah but no you doubt. got i mean we got we you know we got we got the defending champs. They're going to be back. We got Melissa there. We got Boars Night Out. There's so many great teams that are that are cooking at Memphis and May that you got to beat. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. It always is every year, but it's fun. You know, we just uh, we, we we like to go down there, have a good time, cook the best barbecue we can, and enjoy being back on the river. And hopefully, you know, we'll see how it works this year. Maybe it'll be back. Maybe it won't. We don't know yet. Malcolm, how's the smokehouse coming along? Man, it's it's getting close, Greg. Mm. I've got it painted. I've got all the wood up on the inside. Um, I've you know it's it's I'm, I'm, I want to say I'm probably four or five weeks out from being completely finished and being able to move my smokers in. So I'm excited about having a new place to to film and to hang out and to you know to get some smoke, get it smelling right in there. Is that something that's going to really help video production for you? Are you going to be able to maintain a little bit more of a regular schedule or get some things just you can do it when inspired versus having to contend with being outside in the weather. I hope so. That's, you know, that was the big thing for us is, um, having, having the kind of an indoor place to where my equipment could stay. I'm not always having to tear it down at my house. I've got a designated cooking area that's covered outside out of the elements. Um, you know, it's going to be better for my smokers. The look will be better, of course. And I hope to be able to do a, you know, longer in the year because a lot of times when it's cold and stuff outside the weather's nasty it knocks me out of film and it gets me behind it's even happening in the spring you know i had mm -hmm. a we had two weeks to where it rained pretty much every day where i didn't get to film so the past the past two weeks i've been catching up i've been doing like 10 videos a week and that'll that'll wear you down quick no doubt so about just it. trying to catch back up with content so 
Uh, well, you can find Malcolm over at howtobbqright.com. You can also subscribe to him, obviously, over at the YouTube channel. Follow him on all the social media platforms at howtobbqright. Malcolm, anything else that's going on or that you would like to talk about here before I let you go this evening? Uh, man, that's, you know, we're, we're, we're straight Memphis and May focus. So that's, that's my big push right now. Um, you know, just uh, hope if everybody comes out, y'all stop by and see us. Greg, I got to get you down there one year, man. You got to come to Memphis, hang out with us. <laughs> well, it's not. I can tell you, it's not going to be this year. But uh, like Memphis just isn't close for me. I I feel like it would be closer for me to fly and come to your house than it would be for me to to get down to Memphis for some <laughs> reason. And I've heard that from a number of people. However, uh, depending on how the rest of the year shakes out, uh, you know, I can see maybe an end of the year trip down or. Uh, maybe we can start putting some plans together for a 2024 Memphis and May run. Certainly would love to see how it all goes down. A bucket list item for me, uh, for sure, as well as you know, finally getting out to the Royal and uh, maybe the the Jack. Although I've heard some mixed uh, mixed feelings about how good the Jack really is versus just for the team <laughs> that wins it. However, maybe that's something that I need to go down and experience and then give my own thoughts on that. But we'll see how it goes here. So, uh, Malcolm, appreciate the time. As always, good luck at Memphis in May. We'll wait for the recap in June, and we'll talk to you then. The halfway mark, man. I can't believe it. No doubt. We are ready. We are rocking, and we are rolling. It is Malcolm Reed from How to Barbecue Right, Killer Hogs, and two weeks away, if you can believe it, from Memphis in May. So we'll see how Malcolm does here in the 2023 offering in Memphis. I did find it uh, very, not shocking, but uh, unique that team's going for whole hog this year. I do have a thought that because uh, Brad and Tim were able to snatch it through whole hog, that might have given him a little extra inspiration because Malcolm is a great competition cook as well. So maybe that did give him a little inspiration as well as the team. Plus, Jay Craig has, I don't know if you are familiar with that cooker that Malcolm was talking about that Jay Craig makes, but A, it's a beast, but B, it is very unique in the fact that it is a traditional offset cooker, and it's got this huge cooking chamber. You pull the hog out. There's like a lever that you can pull down, and then the whole cooking grate will do a, is that a 180, but uh, wherever the head is, the head will go here instead of where it was, but it's just through a pivot. So Jay Craig, obviously an engineer extraordinary. And then underneath, you would open the doors. And as he talked about, you could go into the firebox of the offset portion of this pit, take out the coals, and then shovel some coals underneath. So very unique pit, one that I have never seen before that is able to pivot that hog in a number of different ways. And we'll see if that is the next coolest cooker to win Memphis in May. Last year, everybody loved the 785-gallon drum that Tim... Shear, or the Tim Shear built there at Gateway Drum Smoker, and maybe Jay Craig's offset slash direct cooker will be the next coolest cooker to win back to back. So we'll see how it goes. That's Malcolm Reed from How to Barbecue Right and the Pitmaster over at Killer Hogs. How to com is his website. And once again, you could subscribe to him over on YouTube where. 1.54, 1.6 million of you are already doing that. And we thank Malcolm for joining us. Going a little long there, talking some extra Memphis and May competition talk. 
Uh, we're open next segment, so if you want to jump in on the show, even if you're not a clubhouse person, I will be opening up the clubhouse for you to jump in and give some reaction to if you care. If not, I have a bunch of stuff to cover and get going on. Before we do that, Primo Grills. What do we love about ceramic cookers? You tell me. I am still listening. That's right. We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that you can go low and slow. We can also love that you can get rip-roaring hot all in the same cooker. That's what's great about ceramic cookers. But what's missing in the everyday lineup of them? The real ability to do true two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking is very important to both professional and backyard cooks. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire and a round ceramic cooker is not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. And our Primo Grill and their game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute a two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. When you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to configure the Primo Cooker, so you're only limited by your culinary imagination. They also have all the accessories that you would ever want to include. The Primo Grill rotisserie, the P Primo Grill pizza accessory, the half pan, the full pan, the rib rack, all of it. Remember at the HPBA Expo, the Primo Extra Large is out 25% bigger than the XL. The XXL is 25% bigger. Only sold through dealers, so find one near you. Primogrill.com. That's Primogrill.com. Here's the bottom line. Best ceramics in the biz? Yes. Patented technology? Yes. True two-zone cooking capabilities and multiple sizes? Yes and yes. Primogrill.com. Find a dealer near you. Follow them on Facebook and the Instagrams. That's Primo Grill, and we are back with the ever-popular open segment. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Malcolm Reed for joining us the last segment. Out of BBQRight.com is website. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring. Or connect via the Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting Fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. Ted Conrad and the gang out there at Fireboard. And don't forget the Fireboard Spark, which I didn't have for a long time after it came out. And then I got one down at HPBAX. Uh, the HPBA Expo. And I have to tell you, I love it. It's a highly accurate 
instant read meat thermometer, which they talk about. However, if you're only cooking one thing that you want to take internal temperature of, it's a one-channel fireboard. And it's, uh, well, it's not wireless in the fact that you have the wired probe that fits into it, but you can just stick that unit down wherever you want if you have some type of a metal surface. Uh, well, obviously, it has it's magnetic, so it will stick right there, and you have no worries about it falling off or going anywhere. It is highly convenient, and it just stays right there on my stainless steel hood where I evacuate all the smoke and stuff when I'm cooking. So it's been great. If you're on the fence about the Spark, get off the fence. Believe me, you're going to love it. And again, it's a really accurate and quality instant read meat thermometer, which is what it was to begin with. And then it's also a one-channel fireboard as well. But you do have to have a temperature probe in order for that portion of it to work. Now we are in the open segment. So if you would like to jump in on the open segment, you're going to have to go to Clubhouse. I have double-checked to make sure that the sound is working prior to the show going on. What does that mean? That means it's not going to work. Andrew, you are not, not going to have sound. That's right. However, if you want to give it a whirl, just go over to the Clubhouse. I'm sure you find me some way. I don't have any idea how to do that anymore. And we can bring you up and you can talk about any live fire topic that you would like. Or you can give your own personal thoughts on the YouTube poll question of the week. Battery-powered cookers will be the next big thing in live fire. 81% of you are saying no. All right. 19% of you are saying yes, by the way. And to me, it's encompassing all of it. It is both the travel, portable, type cookers, and it is the full size. In fact, I'm much more excited to see what a full-size battery-powered grill might look like. As I told Wes right before, I'm not necessarily concerned given the age of my children and who's around my house having an extension cord, which I'm pretty good at hiding depending on where the outlets are in my house and where I have the grills positioned at that point, I'm pretty good at hiding any tripping hazards as it relates to the extension cord running to a pellet cooker or a cooker that would need power. That being said, battery power might not be too bad. And again, as Derek had mentioned last week, the main power draw is that startup in pellet cookers. And then once it's up and running and it's just the fan and then turning the auger, it drops way down. So we'll see how it turns out. But 81% of you are disinterested saying that it is not going to be the next big thing in live fire. Have a few instant messages here to get to. Oh, wait, wait. You all. Oh, I didn't cue them up, right? Yeah. All right. T jacks. I think that's Tyler, right? Tyler, were you in at the beginning when I was lambasting you about saying how LeBron James is a crybaby? I can't have that. Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue. I just received my chud box, and the first thing I want to cook is a whole hog. I need Malcolm to come over and help me. Bad news, Joe. Get that big stuff out of here. That thing is not going to accommodate a whole hog. Maybe a suckling pig. 
But according to Meathead, suckling pigs have a different flavor than whole hog. I challenge you, Joe, by next week. Are you on? Are you on next week for our quarterly update? Maybe two weeks time. You do a suckling pig on the chud box, and then report back to Bradley and myself separately, and then we'll all convene on the show and talk about it. Also, guy, the cooking Sam is writing in and saying, "Greg, is your furnace down?" No. However, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, as you can see by the garb, it's freaking cold. I was in Houston Sunday, Monday, and obviously yesterday, all days achieving 80 plus degrees. I left Houston at 85 degrees. I returned to Cleveland at 38 degrees. That's not fun. I mean, regardless of how unesthetically pleasing Houston is, especially as you get out of the city, it is warmer, and I will probably take warmer over aesthetically pleasing. Now, you might be saying to yourself, is Cleveland aesthetically pleasing? Well, when you're comparing the two, getting out of the greater metropolitan areas, yes, Cleveland is, I might say, more beautiful than Houston is. By far, actually, I might say. Rolling hills, lush greens, seasons, leaves. Much more beautiful. Email coming in from Taylor in Texas. Speak of the devil. Greg, is it just me or did Doug from Texas sound better last week than he normally does? Love the embedded correspondence segment and the show. Podcast listener only regards Taylor. Taylor, you are 100% correct. Doug did sound better than normal. Now, we have to put that into perspective because Doug typically sounds good. I've never been inside Doug's house. He has upgraded microphones a few different times. I use the term upgraded loosely because a lot of times people consider amount of money spent on upgrade. But in the world of USB mics, the one that I recommend continually is the Samson Q, the numeral 2, and the letter U. Samson Q2U. It is on Sweetwater.com every day of the week with a stand and a windscreen and uh, I think a uh, shock mount. All of that for 69 bucks, which is sizably less expensive than the Shure MV7, which comes in at like $225. And audibly, I think you would be hard-pressed to find a sound difference between the two. Some might say that the Samson actually sounds more robust, has a fuller sound. I believe that to be the case, which is why... I'm happy to recommend the Samson Q to you to anybody that asks me what kind of a USB mic I should have. So Doug has run the gamut of USB mics and settled on the Samson and sounds good. But getting back to the point I was trying to make, I've never been in his house, but I would imagine the room that Doug usually is found in has not a lot of stuff hanging on the walls that are curtains or towels or things like uh, this. Like uh, this thing over here, that's a moving blanket. That thing uh, right there is a moving blanket. I have one over here that you can't see. All things to suck up 
uh, wall slap, as we call it, to make it sound like I'm just in a nice tight room, more professional sounding. Uh, Doug is not in a treated room. I don't require him to be in a treated room. I also think the room that he's in usually has a very high ceiling. So as he talks, the, his voice waves just kind of smack around and you have a little room. No matter how close you get, the closer you get to the microphone, the smaller or the closer the room sounds. But in some instances, you just can't get away from it. Same thing with Jess Pryles. Uh, Jess has uh, very untreated walls, and I'm sure that ceiling that she's usually in in her office is very high. So no matter how close you get to the microphone, there's going to be a little wall slap. But last week, Doug sounded a little tighter, probably because the room was different. Now, he was on location for an E3 meet charity foundation thing or uh, doing catering for E3 meet, something of a fundraising aspect, being a good human being as Doug is. But yes, Taylor, I agree. Doug sounded better than he normally does. And we say it with the caveat of Doug sounds fine normally. He just happened to sound better, and it was probably because of the room. And, might I add, probably a better internet connection because of where he usually is in the sticks, where the raccoons are messing with his internet connection. Programming note, if you didn't know this, by the way, Barbecue Hall of Fame season is upon us. That's right. What does that mean? That means that this coming Monday, May 8th, Monday, May 8th, we will review in a live... We'll do it live. Live show at 3 p.m. Eastern on Monday. We'll do it live. It will be a live show. Myself, show regular Robert Moss, and Elizabeth from the American Royal. We will all do it live. We'll do it live. On Monday, May 8th, this coming at 3 p.m. Eastern. But we will announce exclusively the 10 finalists for the Barbecue Hall of Fame 2023. Where three, but maybe four, of whom will be making up the class of 2023. And then two weeks and two days after that, which makes it Wednesday, May 24th, we will also house and announce the exclusive names. That didn't sound right. We will also announce and have an exclusive show announcing who the new living members of the Barbecue Hall of Fame will be. We will also at that time announce the legacy inductees. And we will also learn if there will be an impact recipient award winner as well. As Robert Moss and a number of the other folks on the names committee have mentioned over the last year since it was originally introduced, 2022 was the first year of the opportunity to have an impact award given out that calendar year. It's not something that can happen or is required to happen every year. It's just something if there is a need for it. That sounds bad, but not every year should require an impact award. But on the years that do, it avails itself and there will be an impact recipient or an impact award recipient as well. 
on top of the three, maybe four living members that are put in, and then the legacy members as well. So, just to recap, this coming Monday, there will be a live show at 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll do it live. At 3 p.m., Bill, that's right, on May 8th. And then on May 24th, we will also do it again. We'll do it live. live. Yes, live. To announce who the actual inductees for the Barbecue Hall of Fame will be, who the legacy inductees are, and we will also learn if there will be an impact recipient as well. Shane in California is writing in. Greg, love the show. And I really like Brad Robinson. I thought he was a great interview last week, and I really enjoyed his thoughts on where the business aspect of the industry is right now. I wish more companies adopted Chud's mindset. Count me in on someone who is a future buyer of a Chud box. Regards, Shane. Shane, thank you for writing it. Certainly appreciate that. And also, if you weren't familiar, let me pull up the webpage here to make sure that I'm giving it its right name. World Food Championships partnering with Famous Dave's for All-Star Barbecue Series. Now, what does that mean? It means that it's going to be a series of successive dates that will begin in Las Vegas. They'll feature celebrity and local pitmasters during a consumer-facing multi-category barbecue challenge at select Famous Dave restaurants throughout the country. There's going to be over $500,000 that will be awarded during the year's tournament of food champs that will encompass 12 categories of food and cocktails. 15 events nationwide starting in May and ending in late August. If you are somebody that is interested in cooking in one of these, uh, A, you have to get registered ASAFP. And I think they only take six teams, not 16, like one more than five. So May 13th in Las Vegas, June 3rd in El Paso, June 10th, Hermitage, Tennessee, June 17th, Long Beach, June 24th, potentially in Tuxwila, Washington. Then you have July 1st in Sioux City. July 8th, Addison, Illinois. July 23rd, Westland, Michigan. July 22nd, the Waldorf, Maryland. And July 29th in Billings, Montana. The Addison, Illinois and Tuckwheela, Washington are tentative at this point. So if you're looking to get into that, yeah, you might want to check that out. Hey, let's wrap it up in the first hour. Stick around. Be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. Do have more thoughts on the famous Dave All-Star Barbecue Series? But in order to maintain the integrity of the clock here this evening, I'll go ahead and wait it out, and then we'll start here in the top of the second hour where I'll give you a little bit more information. We'll uh, rehash those dates, and I'll go over a little bit more detail in there. By the way, while we don't have signed contracts yet, uh, Famous Dave's 
World Food Championships and the All-Star Barbecue Series. Uh, we'll be partnering with the show here to promote some of those events, so looking forward to that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a second. So why don't you do this? We're going to close it out here in the first hour. You refresh libations, and we'll see you back here to start the second hour. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. 